for Australian made. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it's Aussie. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison. Welcome back to Road to the Ashes across the SEN network and talk sport, of course, over there in the UK. All thanks to Australian made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Well, I'll tell you, someone uh, who represented the green and gold with, with great pride over the journey, South Australian paceman Jason Gillespie. He had a, a wonderful um, Ashes career, did some fantastic things, particularly over in the UK. I think there was a 7 for it headingly back in 1997. But uh, it's uh, my pleasure to welcome Dizzy to Road to the Ashes, a... a, a um, a se- or series you enjoyed, I'm sure, very much during your career, Diz. Oh, yeah, thanks, Scoob, and thanks for having me, and, uh, and g'day to Harmy. Um, yeah, look, absolutely. Uh, playing Ashes cricket is just one of the, the great things. It's it's one of the, the highlights of, of a player's career, I think, not just speaking from an Australian perspective, but also uh, an English cricketer's perspective. You know, playing the Ashes is is one of the real highlights Um in, in cricket, you, you you look on the calendar and lock those in, and uh, yeah, very exciting. Whether it is in Australia or in the UK, it's uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. As much as I'd love to talk about your two hundred, your Test two hundred, <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna bypass that. Okay, uh, I, I just I I don't want you to think we're being rude That's by fine. not mentioning it and not sort of you know, <laughs> no, labouring okay, going through it ball by ball. But tell us about your seven well, for I'm, Headingley. I'm I remember it. Sorry, I was just saying I've kept it to about an hour now. We don't have that time. So, saying that, saying that, Simon, that Damien Fleming on last week, and the first thing he said to to Simon was about his highest score, and obviously 40, 48. He kept mentioning forty-eight, and Flems was over fifty, and Simon was like, "Army, what's your highest score in Test cricket?" And I went forty-nine. That was it. Show finished. Gone. But you can't get so lower. 200, Simon. Dizzy, you can't get lower than that, mate. When I when Harmy at 11, <laughs> the world record holder of not outs at 11, 11. I repeat, 11. That, that, that like that's the last bloke in the team. When he gets a test 49, oh, that's it for me. I'm done. I'm cooked. I now know I could never play. Sorry, Diz. What was it yeah. like at Headingley anyway in '97? Get on with it. Yeah, that, look, that was a, a, a great experience um, having first time I'd been uh, to the UK and first time I'd been to Leeds. And um, I suppose it, it was the, the first part of my, I suppose, a, a long and fun journey in Yorkshire. Uh, obviously played there in Ashes. Uh, I was fortunate enough to um, be a overseas pro for Yorkshire County Cricket Club. And uh, then I was, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to coach the club. So um, it was probably the start of a, uh, a great relationship with the Yorkshire, uh, with Leeds and the Yorkshire County Cricket Club and, and Yorkshire. So great memories. Uh, remember getting um, seven for. I got a bit lucky on occasions. I, I remember uh, John Crawley hit a half volley onto Greg Blewett's toe and it popped up and he caught it. Um, and you know a couple of drag-ons and caught down leg side and I finished with really good figures, but. Gee, I was lucky, Scoop. I got away with a bit. I did bowl quick, but I did get a bit lucky. <laughs> Dizzy, you mentioned you mentioned sort of playing for Yorkshire and coaching Yorkshire. And Simon, you got me out of retirement to go and play for Yorkshire for four games. I one, I couldn't bowl a hoop downhill, and two, they didn't have a shirt big enough to fit me <laughs> to play in them four games at the end of a season. But during that time, Diz, you had 
You had a very young, you had a very young side. I think that's what you brought me in for. Um, a very young Johnny Bairstow, a very young Joe Root. Um, at Sussex, you had Ollie Robinson. Australia, you had obviously South Australia, Travis Head and Alex Carey. And I think what I'm, the way I'm getting to this is you've seen inside with some of the characters that are playing in this series. Um, just talk us through about one or two of the, the, the characters and where you think this series could potentially go. And just talk about them characters itself, who you've had close dealings with. Yeah, I, yeah. There's a few Harmy, and uh, you know, been very fortunate to to play a small role and and or see them uh, learn and grow and develop. And um, Travis Head um, has had a had an interesting career to date. He's he's moved around the order a bit. He got an opportunity to open after being left out in India um, after playing a full summer in Australia. Um, what Travis has shown is his uh, willingness to to be open to feedback and change and adapt and adjust, find a way to succeed in any conditions on on any surface against any type of bowling. And um, that stems from, I think, the backing he was given uh, a long time ago when he first started for South Australia as a 17-year-old. He was given a good run. He didn't set the world on fire. It was clear he was a talent, but he just needed the opportunity to grow and develop and make his mistakes and 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 develop that resilience. And, and I think that's what Travis has done. And I think he's in a real sweet spot of his career uh, for Australia now um, because he does have that resilience. He's had that backing and support, you know, from all the way through. He's captain South Australia for many years now. Um, so, look, he's got that leadership as well, that leadership piece. So, look, he'll... I, I expect big things from Travis Head. I think he, he's, he's in a great spot of his career. Um, and I think... Um, with the the way England are looking to play, looking to play with pretty good batting surfaces and fast outfields and short boundaries, I think it plays into the hands of not just Travis Head but a number of the um, of the uh, Australian players. Um, another guy you mentioned, Ollie Robinson. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, give him his debut uh, in T20 cricket um, for Yorkshire against Lancashire. Uh, his job was to come in and bowl Yorkers at the death. That was his that was his role in the team. And he just turned up and, and did that job. Um, he got a bit homesick up, up in, in Yorkshire. Um, so he ended up going back down to Kent, where he's originally from, where he's the Kent Academy, and then found himself at Sussex, which isn't far from Kent, um, and has forged himself a great career. I think the, the, the wonderful thing I noticed from when I'd been with him at Yorkshire and then saw him at Sussex is just how much he'd matured and grown as a, as a cricketer and as a person. Um, I've often said this about Ollie Robinson, um, and people raise their eyebrows a bit. I, I think he's one of the most prepared and planned fast bowlers I've come across in cricket. Um, he does a lot of research. He watches a lot of footage. He looks at numbers. Um, he identifies weaknesses of opposition, opportunities where he can take wickets. He's really ruthless like that. And, and it probably surprises people because he's quite a laid-back character with a laid-back demeanour. But underneath that laid-back character, I suppose, traits. He's a, he's a very determined um, young man and uh, very well planned out and um, likes to really deep dive into, into his opposition analysis. And, and that's why it's not a surprise to me that he's having some success and, uh, you know, he's, he's developed really good professional habits, um, which are needed to succeed uh, in international cricket. You, you need to be robust and resilient and strong. Uh, be able to get through um, spells, days, plays, back up consistently. And, and Ollie Robinson's doing that very well at the moment. Something going on 
the water there in South Australia. As Travis said, he loves to get on with it. Dizzy and and you know Alex Kerry, same thing. I mean, they're, they're players that are that are um, you know have an air of confidence about them, not overconfidence, but you know really back themselves in in times of crisis, which which is 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 great to see. Is that a, a quality you think both of them have got? Yeah, Scoob, absolutely, and and that's that's something that they talk about a lot is really backing and trusting their game and in in conditions, obviously you have to adjust and adapt your game to varying conditions and uh, against different bowling attacks. But ultimately, um, you know, when I, in my experience, when I've seen these guys succeed, it's been because they've had a game plan and really trusted it. And everyone around teammates, coaching staffs, batting coaches, the like have, have just got complete trust and faith in them to allow them to go and fulfill that role. And Dizzy, just just finally on this on this Ashes series, and come on to some sort of memories in a second. But where do you see it going? I I, I think it's too close to call with a couple of injuries that England have got now, and the depth yeah. not there because of Joffrey not playing, and one or two other bowlers England haven't got. Where do you see this series won and lost? Yeah, great question, Harmy. And I've been battling that as well. I I, I agree with you. I, I think it will be a close series. I. Just the reports I'm hearing out of the UK, and you can correct me if I'm wrong there, mate. Um, they're hearing that uh, McCullum and Stokes have been speaking to ground staff at the, around the around the um, counties, uh, the test grounds, and saying they would like surfaces that are going to be more bat, batsman friendly. They're going to bring the uh, bring the ropes in, have the outfields, you know, nice and fast. Um, and I just wonder if that takes a little bit away from the strength of the what the English team is. They've got wonderful seam bowlers in, led by Broad Anderson and Robinson who can swing and seam the ball, the Duke cricket ball in English conditions. I just wonder if the surfaces are more suited to batting. Yes, it might free up their batsmen to be able to play through the line and, and continue on this aggressive um, plan that they've got. Um, I just wonder if it plays into Australia's hands a little bit more. Um, is the Australian batsmen are probably more suited to those conditions um, and the Australian bowlers have probably got more consistent experience in those conditions, having that, that probably emulates more the conditions they're used to playing on, not only in Australia, but you know when they travel uh, to other parts of the world. So, yeah, I, I, it, close to call, no doubt, but I, I just wonder what the first surface we're going to see at Edgebaston is going to be. Uh, and how both teams are going to play. Former Australian fast bowler Jason Gillespie joins us here on Road to the Ashes. Did you played in four Ashes series? Was was there a a favourite one for you out of those four? Uh, look, look, they're all all great, and um, I, I think I remember o two three in Australia. We, we actually won the series. I think we we had a couple of four day tests and a three day test, and. Um, you know, the series was over. We, we, were, we were at the height of our powers. We were playing wonderful cricket. Um, that, that was a great series to play. Um, you always look through rose-coloured glasses as well. Your first series, so that England 97, which we reflected on before. I remember that quite fondly. Um, and obviously the 05 series, it, it didn't go our way. Harmony's mob there um, <laughs> took, home the, took home the Vickies, that, that series. But that was a... I was talking to someone about this recently that I noticed a big difference in the England side 05 Ashes and Harmy may be able to touch on this, but there was just a different feel about the group that just felt 
And we'd never felt that as an Australian side before. They just there was a bit more urgency about everything that England did. So much so, like even the first test which we won at Lords, there was still that England would normally go out in dribs and drabs going out onto the field. And Palmy, I don't know if it's something you guys had made a real point of doing, but when when England were in the field, and it may sound like a little thing, Scoob, but it, it was really noticeable that. As soon as the umpires walked out there, Michael Vaughan was straight out there and the bowlers, everyone was straight out there. They got into a huddle, quick chat. Then they all literally run to their fielding positions. The bowler would run and hand his cap to the umpire. And before our batters were out on halfway out onto the ground, the whole England team was set up, ready to play, ready to rock. Um, and in the past, the, the little things, the things we'd noticed as a team was that our batters would be out there marking centre, chatting, ready to go. And England are still walking out onto the ground. So I don't know if that was a specific thing you guys spoke about, Harmy, but I know as an opposition player, that was something I picked up on. Yeah, the, the, the difference between that and probably 2-3 and 0-1 and, and 99 or 97 was in 2005, we were a team. We'd grown up as a team. We played as a team and we behaved off the field like a team. In yeah. 97, 2001, 2002, 3, you had a lot of selfish characters playing for England. Some great cricketers, don't get me wrong. But when you look at, and I've I've got no problem saying this, but you look at the likes of Nasser and others and Thorpe and Corky, Darren Goff, Andy Carrick, there was a group of individuals playing, and playing pulled together as a team where you look at 2005, we were a team. You looked at your, your boys, your boys were a team. You might have had in-fight differences, but and and we never picked up once that you know Jason Gillespie was not talking to Glenn McGrath because there was something going on, or Jason Gillespie was not talking to Adam Gilchrist because something was going on. This was the white lines there. We go over at all eleven and we take you on, and that's why I felt my first series, Simon, in two thousand and two three. I remember going to Perth. I think it was the tenth day of the Test series, and we were the Ashes was beat. We were beat. And I remember facing Dizzy at Perth, and I was, I'm young. I, this is my third test match. wasn't the and day you got 49, went, was it? No, it wasn't. I, that wasn't. I, for I that. didn't even, 49. I didn't even think I was there for 49 <laughs> seconds, not mind 49 minutes. This thing went whizzing past my nose, and I'm thinking, whoo, this is test cricket. Here we go. Because it was one of the first balls of first in test cricket. And then I went down the other end, and Brett Lee was bowling from down doctor at, at, uh, at Perth. And this thing went a little bit faster. And I must admit, Dizzy, I was like, I quite fancy Jason Gillespie's end because I don't fancy Brett's end. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Dizzy's going to make me foolish, but Brett's going to kill me. He really is going to hurt me here. So that was my early initial mess, sort of moments in international cricket with the great man, Jason Gillespie. Diz, tell us what you're up to now. I'm coaching South Australia. You, you had a good period of time involved in, in, in English cricket. Um, what's, uh, what's keeping you... Uh, around the creating circles at the minute? Yeah, Scoob, look, I, as you said, I'm, I'm coaching South Australia. We finished our third season there and just doing our prep for our uh, pre-season. Um, so putting all those plans in place. We've got players actually all around the world. Um, you know, I don't think there's many states in Australia would have, uh, have three uh, of their quick bowlers playing county cricket at once, which we had in uh, Wes Agar, Nathan McAndrew and Jordan Buckingham. So... That was a bit of a feather in our cap and 
um, you know, we've shown signs of progression, which has been great. We we um, we won a couple of games of Shield Cricket uh, last year when we didn't, you know, win in the previous seasons. Uh, we made a one-day final against WA, but, you know, we're, not, we're under no illusions. We've got improvements to make. And, you know, WA have been the benchmark for the last couple of years, the last few years in, in Australian cricket. So we're certainly uh, looking to see what they do and, you know, how we can... Uh, better them, I, I suppose, going forward. So so that's going to be a, a challenge for us. Um, but also coach South Australia, uh, uh, the Adelaide Strikers in the Big Bash League. I've done that for eight seasons now, eight Big Bash editions, and, and thoroughly enjoy that. Um, you know, hopefully we can uh, we can have a really good uh, good season. We, we, we played pretty poorly last uh, last Big Bash, which was a shame. We showed glimpses of, of how good we could be, bowling out the Sydney Thunder for 15 runs, which was an extraordinary uh, <laughs> game to to be there, but to witness. Um, but in amongst you know those good moments, we had some pretty poor moments and, and finished near the bottom of the table. So we've certainly got improvements to make. But for a, uh, I absolutely love coaching. I, I love working with players to help get better. I love uh, working with uh, support staffs and you know exploring ways to how we can help players improve and get better and uh, and, and and the team get better. So um, that's what gets me up each day. It's good. Well, um, it's good to see your, your smiling face and hear a bit of uh, crispness, crispness in the voice. Plenty of enthusiasm, Diz. It's uh, always been there and it's still there, which is great to see. So we wish you well with South Australia, the strikers, and we know you'll be watching intently what this uh, Ashes series has in store in 2023. Night. Really looking forward to it, Scoob. I'm actually sneaking over. I've got a tour group for the first two test matches at uh, Edgebaston and Lords, so I'm going to be over there. So I'll oh, see firsthand, and uh, I'll uh, and Harmy, if you're floating around, I'll come and say hello, big fella. No <laughs> I'll be definitely defi- be-, be floating around, and yeah. we can carry on our we can carry on our drinking from the end of the Yorkshire days, my friend. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Sounds very good. Not only do we gamble responsibly, we drink responsibly too. You two. Okay. <laughs> Dizzy, thanks for your time. Great to chat. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Good on you. Jason Gillespie joining us there. Uh, and uh, great to hear from uh, from Dizzy, who's a, a very much a, an important part uh, in the uh, Cricket Australia wheel and, uh, and looking after youngsters that are, are striving to get their chance to play for Australia. Well, that's it for another edition of Road to the Asses. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold. Kangaroo will be back next week as we build up closer to the first test at Edgbaston on June 16. Army, good night, good morning, whatever time it is to you over there. What we came up with, with wagging, awful, and I'm going to whack tripe in there as well for young Tungy. Right, so Tom, yeah, yeah. That'll be all good ones, and I've got, we can't wait. To, I'd look, I'm looking forward to getting his debut out the way because June 16 can't come quick enough. Right, looking forward to June 16. This is Road to the Ashes. Look forward to chatting to you next week.